welcome in to another edition of Home Run Throwback. I am Jimmy Morris, joined as always by Easton Freeze. Easton, how are you tonight? A lot better than a Colts fan, Jimmy. How are you? <laughs> Absolutely, and that's going to be, we're going to have a portion of our show just dedicated to the Colts' misery. That's, that's well, a bit be of fun. fun. Farewell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll get to that before we do. Remind you, as always, this is a Broadway Sports Media podcast. BroadwaySportsMedia.com is your official place to get all of the best Titans news and insight. Um, so check that out if you have not already. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at MCM. Easton is at Easton Freeze. And again, BroadwaySportsMedia.com is the website. All right, so the Titans, you, they gave us a little bit of a scare today, right? Um, you know, when it was over, when it was 21 to nothing at halftime, you felt like it was over. And then the Texans, to their credit, they, they fought back. Um, you know, they, they made it a game in the second half, but the Titans were able to do enough to hold on to win that game to secure the number one seed. So we'll start there with, with this game today. Um, you know, we have, I mean, we've been over and over and over this, this team without Derrick Henry, this offense what it looked like, and all of that stuff. Um, we know Derrick Henry's coming back at this point, right? I mean, he practiced this week. No surprise yeah. that he wasn't activated ahead of today's game. That was kind of what we expected. But obviously the fact that they opened his window tells us that he's going to be back for the divisional round. So that that's obviously something that's very good. Um, but we saw today what Ryan Tannehill can do when he has a – full complement of receiving weapons. Obviously, he still doesn't have Derrick Henry. But, you know, with A.J. Brown out there, with Julio Jones out there, Julio Jones, who, <laughs> you know, Paul Kaharski took the crusade this week to crucify the Julio Jones acquisition. And, and you know, I mean... And I, then they I, threw I, in the spite, the, the spite PK offensive package for the week. <laughs> right. And, I mean, I, I saw your tweet earlier. And, listen, I mean, his, his critique of it is fair to this point. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, there, there's no, there's no question that if you, if you cut the grade off at today, it's bad. You know, right. Julio has not done anything for this team for the most part uh, this season. But my, my contention is that that's not written until the season is completely done. Now, correct. What do we have from him going forward? We don't know. And, and to expect him to be the Julio Jones from two or three years ago, I think is a little bit ridiculous from people. Um, it, it's wishful thinking t- to some extent because we've sure. seen the limitations that he has now. But we've also seen today that he can step up and make plays in games where they need him. And if he does that in a playoff run, then regardless of what his regular season numbers tell us, if he is a crucial part of this offense – going forward in a playoff run, that's all that matters. And, and again, you know, we've, we've said that all along. And like I said, to, to expect Julio Jones of, you, you know, his prime uh, production is, is probably a little bit ridiculous. But to expect him to be able to contribute to this team, I don't think is. And so we'll, we'll wait here to see. I mean, we, we've said, right, we're the most reasonable Titans podcast out there that, that there is. And so, in addition to being the best Titans podcast, sure. we are also dripping in objectivity. We're exactly. And so, yes, to this point, it's been a disappointment, but he was brought in to help them win a Super Bowl. And if he's able to contribute in the playoffs, then we'll have a different conversation at that point, right? I mean, I mean, that's where we have to be. It's an incomplete grade at this point. Yes, as is more often the case than not. The correct take on Julio Jones is a reasoned, middle-of-the-road one, right? That 
yes, he's been very bad thus far, but also deciding on a grade for the pick or not the pick for the for the trade at this point in in his time with Tennessee is is premature, right? And so as badly as people want to go ahead and grade it and you know, like like I said in my tweets today and I said before the game just because I love to become an agent of chaos late in the season, but really just all the time I like to root for the chaos because it's the fun part, right? And I said before the game that I wanted this to be a big time game from Julio just to watch PK have to deal with the nonsense that would be thrown his way this week with all the anecdotal (laughs) evidence of Julio's success based off of one game because that's the way that fans work. And PK PK responded acknowledging as much that that would be the case. And, um, you know, again, it's not it's nonsense. It's going to be nonsense thrown at him because he's right so far. It has been uh, a, a failure of a trade, but also. It's not time that the book's not written on that. Right. So. Right. And that's the thing. And I mean, to even say that today was some sort of monumental game would be a little bit ridiculous. Right. He had five catches, 58 yards. He did have a touchdown. Um, His first. What he did today, if that was the average game from him, if that was his like floor, then like that's what you you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what you expect of him to be like, oh, on an average week, this is what you can expect from him. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is the standout week. And so that kind of proves (laughs) Paul's point. Yes. Yeah. And he's not wrong. I mean, that's the thing. Like his his critique of, you know, what he's done at this point is not wrong. And again, I mean, we all think he scored that touchdown in Seattle. Right. I mean, you know, but uh, again, really not a matter of opinion. He, right. He but I, but even still splitting hairs to that point um, that to get into touchdowns instead of one. Is that is that really a big win for that trade? Absolutely not. Yeah. But that's not what it was brought into. I, I think for me, the biggest takeaway from today is that in a game where the the rushing game worked, right? I mean, they had 32 carries for 124 yards. Now, that inclu- that includes Tannehill's two kneel downs at the end of the game uh, for negative two. But when you look at the, the rushing numbers, uh, Foreman had 21 for 69. Hilliard had nine for 57. The, the rushing game has been good, even with Henry out, right? I mean, I, I think we can all agree that the, the, the drop-off there has not been quite as big as we all expected it to be. Um, so th- that hasn't been the problem, but we, we've talked a lot about Ryan Tannehill and what a month ago, the, <laughs> it felt like the majority of Titans Twitter, maybe it wasn't, but it, you know, a, a lot of times the, the minority is the outspoken group, right? Sure. But there, there was this big contingent of Titans Twitter, we'll say that was like, oh my gosh, Ryan Tannehill's terrible. Can't do anything. You know, they, they need to move on. They need to let's see what Logan Woodside has. They need to start looking yeah. at the quarterback of the future. Tannehill won this game today. then and yeah. foolishness now. Right. I mean, Ryan Tannehill won this game today. And, yes, you know, yeah. three touchdown passes in the first half. Um, they the offense sputtered clearly in the second half. But, you know, they they had the the answer after the the score was what, 21 to 10. Um, mm-hmm. And the Titans come back and get a touchdown drive. That was the, the Julio touchdown there. But I think that to when you look objectively at Ryan Tannehill, when he has weapons out there, when he has A.J. Brown as the number one, Julio Jones as number two, Nick Westbrook-Akina as his number three, 
<laughs> all of a sudden, the passing offense is a lot different, right? Uh-huh. There were plenty of weeks we were talking about Nick Westbrook-Akina as the number one. And again, we had this conversation so many times, but I contend that there is not a quarterback in the league. If there is, there's one or two quarterbacks in the league that could be su- successful with that group. And it's yes. funny, we, we, you know, whatever week it was when we were recording while the Tampa Bay-New Orleans game was going on. And, you know, in that game, Godwin and Evans for the, for the Bucs both get hurt in the first half. The, the, the Buccaneers end up getting shut out in that game. It was only the second or third time, whatever it was, that, that Tom Brady had ever been shut out. It was the first time since, like, years and years ago. Um, but it, it seemed like everybody, to, not everybody, because there are, there are always unreasonable people, but it seemed like reasonable people at that point looked and said, you know what? Quarterbacks need weapons around them. Brady's a pumpkin. He's got no one to pass to. Right, to be successful. And now you saw today that Ryan Tannehill can win a game for you when he needs to. Now, the Texans, and they're bad and all that stuff. I mean, I understand that. But we've seen the difference in this offense since A.J. Brown came back. That that has been the big turning point, right? That that game against San Francisco, it was here but it was, it was against the 49ers where A.J. Brown was back. And in the second half, it was basically like, we're going to feed A.J. Brown, and we're going to see what happens. And, and we saw that, you know, this, this, this team can be really good when he's out there. And so I think that that has to give us confidence going forward in the fact that the passing game and Ryan Tannehill can win a game for you when he absolutely needs to do that. We saw that again today, and we've seen that since A.J. came back. Yes, it absolutely should give you confidence. And um, for those, there were a number of people that I saw during the game, uh, frankly, just panicking over what was going on in the second half with the Titans offense. And I was responding to some of them that were directly pointed at me uh, just about how this this is, you know, somebody told me that we were in DEFCON 3 for the Titans offense, falling apart, this game falling apart. And they were trying to throw it away there for a minute. Um, Taylor Lewan acknowledged as much after the game, running off the field to uh, an NFL Films camera, caught him saying, we almost pulled a classic one. We almost did the Titans thing that the Titans do, playing down to the competition and losing games they shouldn't lose. But they didn't. They held on and they won. And here's, here's my general take on Week 18. Um, that is really not a revolutionary thing, but I think it, it bears reminding It bears repeating, um, especially when you have a situation like this. Performances by teams that have everything to play for, that are playing for playoff positioning, playoff seating, just to get into the playoffs, should be taken with a grain of salt in week 18, or in the past week 17. And performances by teams that have nothing to play for, teams that are already out, teams that are just trying to play spoiler, teams that this week 18 game is their Super Bowl. It's their final game of the year. Should also be taken with a grain of salt. From a betting perspective, from a trends perspective, teams that have nothing to play for, that are playing spoiler in week 18, the underdogs, the guys that are already out, they always overperform at like a 60-something percent clip. They, They win outright. Uh, in, in at like an 80 something percent clip, they, they are 70 something percent clip. They, uh, are the spread in these games. Betters, professional betters love week 18 because they bet all the ugly teams to cover or to win outright the teams that everybody thinks is not going to win. They're going to roll over because they're already out of the, the season. Um, and they like to, you know, clean up and, and, 
have a great payday at the end of the year, end of the regular season, because that's what these teams do. When you have nothing to play for, you can empty the bag as a coach, as a coordinator. You can you can take all of the, the bag of tricks that you had amassed throughout the season and just empty it, throw it all out on the table. The trick plays, the special plays that you like to save for big spots. You can just you can throw all that out there and play loose because there's nothing to, there's nothing to lose for. They got nothing to lose. Teams that are trying to play on the for you know the playoffs, they're looking ahead because they're still in it. They're going to play tighter because they're the team with all the expectations. They're also doing this weird dance, this walking the tightrope of trying to put as little on tape as possible while still you know succeeding in the game, winning the game. Right? They're they're trying to be as vanilla. And as safe as possible, they're just looking to get a win and get out in one piece. And so I think you saw that with the Chiefs in their game yesterday or on Saturday against the Broncos. A Broncos team looking a lot better than you expected them to. A Chiefs team looking worse than you expected to. I think you saw that today with the Titans. A team where you expected them to look better than that against the Texans. And the Texans team that looked like it had more life than you thought they might have. That's just how that's going to go in Week 18. And so to overreact to any Week 18 performance on either side of that equation, I think is foolish because historically, the team that you see, playoff team that you see in Week 18 is not the same team or doesn't put up the same performance that they do once they get into the playoffs. Because playoff football, it's a different ball game, right? It's a totally different brand of football. It's a lot of coaches and, and players refer to it as a whole new season because in a way that it is. It, it, different things matter more and... and uh, it's it's just different, and those teams are they're preparing, they're saving up what they can for that playoff push because uh, it's a it's a week to week league. Once you get into the playoffs, you have to win to advance. Yeah, and I'll take the stance too. And I mean, I am one. We talked about this before we jumped on here, but I'm one that never says a game is over before it's over because we've seen so many crazy things that happen. And and I'm just you know play sports growing up. You don't jinx things, right? But at twenty-one to nothing, with the way the first half ended, you know the the turnover or the you know the the Titans get the ball back and the pass interference that that gives them that touchdown right at the very end to go up twenty-one to nothing. You felt like the game was over, and if you're looking oh, at Jimmy, yeah, right. But I mean, if you're looking at it from the Titans standpoint, from the Texas standpoint, it's like okay, the the Titans have you know they're they're getting ready for the playoffs. The Texans have nothing left to play for. You're down twenty-one to nothing. Things went about as as poorly as they could at the end of that first half. Um, it, it would be hard for either team to not have that mindset going in. And I know if you listen to Mike Brable, he is big on you know not letting that kind of stuff creep in. But I, I don't know. It would be impossible in my mind in that locker room to be like, we've got this game won. And so I think there was a little bit of that coming out in the second half, and we kind of saw that, right? It took the Titans a minute to kind of kick back in. To get, to get to the point where this game's not over. Um, we 100%. We get another, another score. It even has had to step it back up. I mean, all those things. And I, I don't know. This is all, you know, s- subjective or not, whatever. This is all thoughts from outside the locker room, just kind of my own mentality creeping in here. But I, I think that you have to give them credit for being able to, you know, after the third quarter where everything that could go wrong went wrong for the Titans – they were able in the fourth quarter to come back, get a touchdown drive, you know, get a stop that mattered, and then, you know, bleed the clock out once they got the ball back. I mean, that was, you know, as big of a as big of a fourth quarter as this team has had in a long time because, 
listen, we know, I mean, we saw two years ago when the Titans made that run to the AFC Championship how hard it is to go and win three games on the road, right? They they won in New yep. England, they won in Baltimore, and then, you know, with that Mahomes run at the end of the first half against the against the Chiefs in that AFC Championship game, it seemed like that kind of broke them. Yep. Um, we, we know how hard that can be. We know with this team and their health, um, you know, just all the injuries that have happened throughout the course of the season, and then having a guy like Julio has been who has been banged up a lot, um, but has, has, you know, has finished these last, what, three games? Um, has been on the field all throughout. But, you know, with Derrick Henry, we talked about the 10 weeks and how, you know, if we're able to get the bye this week, you, you give him that extra week. So we know how important that was with that, to be able to go ahead and finish that game and get that number one seed. I mean, I think that was big for them and a big fourth quarter to kind of rally. So, I mean, I don't know. Like you said, a, a lot of times these, these weeks, this is the first, what, week 18 that we've had. But these week 17 performances are not indicative of what we're going to see in the playoffs. But it, it showed me a little bit, at least, of this team's resolve to be able to, when every, all the momentum is going the other way, to stop that, to be able to turn it, and then to go ahead and win that game. I, I mean, I, I think psychologically for this team, that was a pretty big deal. Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was totally fair to assume that the game was probably over at half when the Titans were up 21 nothing. Uh, clearly what you'd forgotten was that the Titans were playing against a soon-to-be Hall of Famer, Danny Amendola, and a future Hall of Famer, Davis Mills, right? And so when you're playing against elite guys like that, that's just going to be the way that things go. Never out of it. And uh, props to them for being the elite players that they are. Was it Amendola <laughs> that had the... Was it him or Edelman that had the big game against the Titans in the in the playoffs? In the last malarkey year, whatever. I don't, I don't remember what it was. But maybe I, it was it was probably Edelman. I think it was Edelman, but I, I don't know. Those guys like that's the that's they, the they blend together, white white right. boy right. New England receiver. Yeah. It's all the same person. It's <laughs> yeah. just an amorphous blob for the last yeah. twenty years going through those guys. Um, there's been like three or four of them, and they're all the same to me. So I and, honestly don't know. And listen, if you're Mike Vrabel, I mean, I think obviously you would love to have been able to you know go down and score on that first drive and really crush the Texans. And be able to rest some of your starters and that kind of. I mean, you would love. That. I said as much. I said if they go and score right out of the gate and it's twenty-eight nothing, I think you consider resting starters. And yeah. yeah, that was not the case. Right, but you have some teaching points from this game if you're Rabel, Right, don't don't ever give up. Play to the, all the all the end of all that stuff. Right. I mean, so I mean, I, I think there is some value that that can come from that for this. Team. Well, there definitely is because, like I said before, the Steelers game. This is a team that hasn't had to protect a lead pretty much at all this season. And I was afraid that would be the case in the Steelers game going into it, and that was the case, and they didn't do a good job of that. They let the Steelers stick around. They didn't score as many points as they should have, and they lost that game. In this game, another situation that I probably, you know, in hindsight, probably should have thought the same thing and brought that point up last week in the content that I put out, but I didn't. It's another situation where you expect them to get a lead, and you know, outside of having to play the Jaguars this year, they haven't had to do much lead protection. Um, and so that was definitely a learning experience for them. I think that they'll do a better job of that if they, you know, are in that same position in the playoffs. But it's it's easier said than done, right, to maintain a lead, um, especially when you're trying to juggle something like Week 18 where you try not to put too much stuff out there, trying to get everybody in and out, healthy in one piece, be vanilla about it. That's a, that's a tough thing. to That's a tough tightrope to walk. Yeah, absolutely. And the, so the two things that we will 
um, watch heading into this week. Well, I mean, I guess we won't get really any news, but, you know, Christian Fulton and Elijah Molden both got hurt at the end of this game. Um, and, and so that that's kind of the biggest takeaway for me from this game is what's the health of those two guys. Right. We, now, not, we know that Fulton came back. Do we right. know if Molden came back into the game? I've I, looked and not been able to find Yeah, I anything. don't think that he did. I don't um, think so either. So, but his was much later in the game, so yeah. it may have been a situation where they just held him out right. and he could have come back in if he needed to. I'm not positive. So we'll obviously keep an eye on that, but we will not get any news on that until they have to release practice reports for the divisional round, right? So we're going to be a week out from, or a week and a half at this point, because it'd be a Wednesday practice, a week, yep. you know, a week from now that we would see that. So I mean, that that that'll be the biggest thing to watch. But other than that, they they seem to escape this game pretty healthy. And then again, you get the the extra week for guys to heal up, guys that have been banged up throughout the season. You'll get that there. Um, but they seem to be getting healthy at the right time, and that was something that we talked a lot about with the late by the late Thursday night game, getting that, that extra rest. So that that's going to be, uh, you know, a, a really big thing for this team. So that will be something we'll keep an eye on a, a, as we go into this week. Anything else that we need to touch on from this game in particular? I'm looking through my notes here. It was a tough one to talk about coming into it. It's a tough one to talk about coming out of it, right? Because it was yeah. wasn't a whole lot of drama. Again, the Titans yeah. were vanilla. They they did what they needed to do to get the win. Um, props to the the Texans. The one thing I will say about the Texans is that, and I said this coming into the year to some buddies. I I told you before the show. I really wish that I had tweeted this out so that I could, you know, do a callback and gloat about being right about it. I'm just right so often I can't keep up with where I've <laughs> said my right things, you know, whether or not they're on the public record or not. This one was not, unfortunately. You'll have to take my word for it. Um, I said before the game, before the season, rather, to some buddies of mine that I thought that the the Texans, for as much, you know, crap that they were getting in the preseason for how bad they looked, how their roster looked, you know, awful, all the Deshaun Watson nonsense, I thought that people were overreacting a bit on how bad they would be. and. I told them that I expected the Texans to finish better than the Jaguars this year. And they told me I was crazy because the Jaguars had gotten Trevor Lawrence. Jaguars had brought in Urban Meyer. It was a fresh, new, exciting time in Jacksonville. And here we are in Jacksonville. uh, Was a complete and utter tire fire until today where the (laughs) prince that was promised Trevor Lawrence and his gorgeous golden locks finally arrived and did what all Titans fans, you know, loved to watch him do today. Um, but up until that point, they had been in complete and utter disaster, got murdered by <laughs> the the Patriots last week, 51 to something, just gross, right? And the Texans finished better than them, four-win team, Jacksonville a three-win team. And so um, I think that the Texans next year, personally, I've heard a lot about how David Coley's probably gone. David, I just don't see how they bring him back. I disagree with that. I think they're going to hang on to him. For two reasons. One, I think he definitely overperformed expectations this year, winning four games with this team. Uh, and they were in, they were, you know, they were more competitive in other games than you probably expected them to be. And and two, uh, the thinking on him was that he was brought in to be a sacrificial lamb coaching hire. And that's what he, I think, pretty clearly is what he was. But the idea behind that is you get rid of them when the team is ready to, when they've done a rebuild and they're ready to move on and, and compete. And 
can anyone say that they're there? It's certainly not, right? I, I think next year will also be a part of the rebuild, and so they're not in a position to move on from him yet. If he's still that sacrificial lamb, I think the Texans move on from him after next season. Um, but I don't see why or how they'd move on from him this season and get a significant upgrade at coach, because how is that job, you know, a, a, a desirable position, right? The other yeah. thing is, is Davis Mills. Got to give him kudos, right? Him and his glorious long neck that <laughs> I can't wait until he's in the Hall of Fame, clearly headed that direction, because he will be the first bust in that glorious Hall of Fame uh, with all those legends that is a larger percentage neck than it is head in <laughs> terms of the distribution of weight, right? So I don't know how they might have to get a special pedestal, maybe some some supports to hold that thing up. It's going to be weighted weirdly, just how dense and large the neck portion of that bust is but that's yeah, that's on down the road we've got an incredible hall of fame career of his to watch before then um but i joking aside he has overperformed for sure this year being a third round pick given the the selection of quarterback rookie quarterbacks we had in this past year's draft all the hype around the main four or five guys that went early in that first round and dare I say he was the most impressive of all of them all year long. I mean, Mac Jones is the only one that really competes with him statistically. And Mac a has been a complete and utter pumpkin when they're not playing in a tornado and B has been in a drastically better situation than Davis Mills has been at any point. Davis Mills got thrown in, in, in a slew of road games against the likes of Buffalo in a rainstorm and, and some other teams early on in the season just an off an, on an awful roster with a brand new head coach, terrible position to be in totally expect a guy like that to just roll over and maybe stunt his entire career and his confidence and, and ruin uh, his prospect, but he stuck with it. And man, he made some plays. You guys, this is maybe, I'm, <laughs> maybe now that the Colts are dead, my allegiance <laughs> for a non Titans AFC South team has shifted to the Texans as I am often misaligned as being uh, a fan of another AFC South team. I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not doing I, in this capacity. I'm not a fan of any team, but um, you know, I, I really ha- have been impressed with Davis Mills and I, I guess you'd say the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, they have been more competitive with him in there versus Tyrod Taylor, who you thought they brought in Tyrod to be the, <laughs> stopgap or whatever, like a guy that was a bridge guy. Yeah. As, as a quarterback, but you know, Davis Mills made some plays and had them competitive in some games. You didn't expect them to be. And like you said, I mean the whole David Coley thing, I mean, we'll see how it plays out to me. It'd be, it would be ridiculous to fire him after this season because he certainly exceeded expectations. Now, do you think he's the guy that can lead them into whatever their next phase is? No, I mean, and I mean, I hope they keep him forever <laughs> from that standpoint, right? As a Titans fan, but um, we'll see what happens with them because there, there's going to be something's going to happen with Deshaun Watson this offseason. They're going to trade him. They're going to get picks, and, and we'll see where it plays out from there. But you can't, I don't know. In my mind, you you can't really say anything negative about what David Culley was able to do with what he was given. Like you said, he exceeded expectations. Um, so you keep him around for for another year and just kind of see where it goes. Um, I I think he's you know just a kind of whatever head coach, and, and you know you want as many of those as you can have in the division. Yep. Um, so you keep him forever from that standpoint. But t- 
to his credit, I mean, he had a team today that very easily could have given up at 21 to nothing, you know, with a, the season that's over, um, guys that are making offseason plans, and they, they clearly did not do that. They came out and they played hard in the second half. So, I mean, I think he deserves a little bit of credit for that, you know. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, is there anything else that we want to cover here, or do we need to get into uh, get into our hot take segment? Yeah, I think we should, we move into that for sure. All right, let's do it because we've got a lot of response. I was really worried there for a minute that we were going to get a second consecutive week from our loyal, large fan base, the thousands <laughs> of you out there, just not responding to our tweet. I was going to be very upset, and you know, we were going to debate on air whether or not the show should be canceled because of your lack of fealty to this show. Fortunately, you came through. Um, we had to re-up the tweet. I think we're working on the sweet spot for the timing on yeah. that, but we got quite a few responses. Uh, if, you, if you're new here, if you're new to this, what we've been doing the last couple of weeks, we put out a tweet after the Titans game asking it up for your hot takes. Tell us what you're thinking so that we can judge you uh, harshly with a, a benevolent, a benevolent uh, furious fist of, of justice here on the show. As we we go through your takes, decide what's what's a hot take, what's you know an overreaction, uh, what's this ridiculous, and what you know it's got a point. Not quite, not quite an overreaction. I think that's a proper, a fair reaction. Um, and so we go through and judge those things. We got a number of responses. I will go through here, and uh, we'll go one by one. I will ask uh, Jimmy whether or not he thinks it's an overreaction or a proper reaction. To the Titans. We've got uh, some serious ones, some uh, kind of ridiculous ones. We'll Very go long. through and maybe kind of get through the, <laughs> we'll get through the, the stupid ones first. So uh, we'll just start with the stupidest one. Greenlaw uh, <laughs> tweeted, uh, <laughs> Rob on Broadway, follow him if you want to. It's not, it's kind of a meb follow, to be honest with you. If you're following him currently, maybe consider unfollowing. Um, but he, he said, sorry about your team, Easton, uh, in reference to the Colts losing today. We have to bid a fond farewell to the Indianapolis Colts, who I've been saying for months now are dead in the division. Uh, I have to apologize for vastly underrating uh, how dead they were. They were not just dead in the division. They actually were dead uh, in the playoff race, and that came to fruition today when they lost to the mighty 2-14 and Jaguars on the road. Uh, in Jacksonville is, is a uh, game that they play every single year, need I remind you, because they are in the Jacksonville Jaguars division, and yet they have not won in Jacksonville since 2014, which is a long That's time ago. That's an unbelievable stat. It really is. It really is. is. It's among my favorite because yeah. of just how ridiculous it is. And uh, to be fair, it seems like the, the Titans bugaboo bad team in the division is the Texans, and the Jaguars clearly are the annoying team that the Colts for some reason just can't get over, and that was proven today. And... uh you know, if you if you want if you're a Titans fan and you're a sick, sick individual who wants to check out some fun misery on your feed, doom scroll, uh, but in a in a good way because you like to wallow in other people's sorrow, uh, maybe go follow an account like I'll just throw a random one out there. Locked on Colts is a good <laughs> example. There's a lot, but that's a good one if you want to go doom scroll and laugh at the Colts misery. Um, there's even talk of an Andy Dalton, Carson Wentz, QB battle next preseason. So you're now, you know, you're, you're down bad, bad if that's where you're at and that's where they're at. So uh, bummer for the Colts, but we don't have time to get too much into them. Unfortunately, um, 
Yeah, I'm not even going to ask you because this is a stupid take, and uh, <laughs> I don't care about your opinion on it. Greenlaw thinks that I'm a Colts fan, and uh, Greenlaw can shove it. So Greenlaw, eat it and get out of my mentions. All right, next one. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me just respond to that real, real quick. All right, Here, all right. Here's what's funny. <laughs> Right, is that you have said since that game, we had the stat, or the, what was it, 63 days, or whatever it was last week. 63, yeah, yeah 63 that we talked days. About, so now we're at 70, right? But um, yeah. that since the division had been won, and I was the one that was like, oh, hold on a minute. Like, the, yeah. there's games that need to be won, the culture winning games that we didn't think they were going to win, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I will say that what, what you put out on Twitter is a little bit different than what you've been saying on here. Um, so it, it's yes. just funny from that standpoint, but I, I, I did appreciate that tweet from Greenlaw. I, I appreciated it, I guess, but <laughs> I won't tell him that. I hope he's not listening to this. And if he is, uh, eat it Greenlaw. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> next, next tweet is also ridiculous. Michael Pruitt revenge season. It, I, <laughs> listen to be, to be honest with you, part of me thinks this is just a Greenlaw burner account. Um, because they are so closely tied together. Maybe they're not, but he's <coughs> Michael coming back T.O. style. Uh, that's unfortunately not happening. Michael Pruitt is out for the season. Sorry, Michael Pruitt revenge season, perhaps next year. <laughs> so we have a serious one here from Wu Titan Clan. At Wu Titan Clan, here is his hot take reaction. He says, playoff teams are going to consider the Texans' second-half offense the blueprint for attacking the Titans' defense. That means Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones, their play will be far more important than Derrick Henry's in the postseason and that the Titans won't win a game with Tannehill throwing for less than 250 yards. So there's a lot to unpack there, but Jimmy, walk us through whether or not you think that's an overreaction or a proper reaction. That's a good question because or a good comment because we saw, what, two years ago, the run the Titans went on where it was basically Derrick Henry in those first two games, right? Ryan Tannehill made uh, some some big plays in those games. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think back. Uh, the Patriots game was pretty much a slog, right? But then you had the the Ravens game with the Jonu touchdown, the you know one cheek equals two feet, the big, the big play to Khalif Raymond. Um, so, I mean, I think there is some truth to that in the fact that Ryan Tannehill is going to ha- have to make some plays. I-, I think a yardage amount is not necessary because if he can hit two or three big plays, that's going going to change things. But there are going to be games that Ryan Tannehill is going to have to, I'm not going to say win by himself, but make some plays in. So I, I think that's a little bit fair but we don't – we haven't seen Derrick Henry since – in 70 days, right? We, we've been through that number a couple of times here. So, I mean, I think that the offense is going to be different with Derrick Henry out there. That There's going to be some things that are different. But they are going to need Ryan Tannehill to hit a certain amount of plays in games if this team is going to win the Super Bowl, right? I mean, is that fair? No, I think that it is. Um, I think – I think it's an interesting comment as well. I don't necessarily think it's not an overreaction. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction, but not much of one. I did say this in the postgame show uh, on the Broadway live postgame feed right after the game today, that that Texans second half is how teams need to play this Titans defense, right? Short passing game, 
getting the ball out quickly, not allowing the defensive front and the pressure to dictate the terms, um, not trying to run the ball really all that much because the Titans' run defense is so stout. That's what the Texans did, and uh, it forced the secondary to make some plays, and the secondary did not play a great game today, and uh, it worked. It worked really well, and I think that's how teams will probably. So that part of the take, I think, is, is fair. And I think that's a relatively good blueprint for teams to attack the Titans' defense. In terms of whose play is more important, I still don't think it's necessarily fair to say Tannehill in the passing game is more important than Henry in the running game just because the Titans' run game is in games where they're controlling the terms, where they're dictating the terms, how they dictate the terms in in terms of possession and uh, time, time of possession, ball control, right? Um, so that's obviously a very important aspect of these games. It really depends on how the game goes, right? In, in a game where the Titans are able to control things, um, the running game is really important and arguably more important than the passing game. In games where the, the Titans are in a shootout, obviously the passing game is going to be different. So I don't think it's necessarily true that the Titans won't win any game that they don't have uh, more than 250 yards passing. I don't think putting a number on it is all that fair, but but it, it and I don't think it's true either, right, that, that they can't win a game where they don't pass much. I think they can, especially depending on the opponent that they get. But can they go all the way to the Super Bowl just, you know, throwing 150 yards a game? No, I don't think that part is is uh, unfair or an overreaction at all. I think that's true. They're going to have to have some games or, you know, quarters or halves of games where the Titans' passing attack is potent. And we saw that in the first half today, and they're going to have to do that some more. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. Like, Ryan Tannehill's going to have to make plays. To put a yardage number on it, it's probably not fair but they're going to have to have him play well if they're going to win a Super Bowl. I think that's a perfectly reasonable take. Yeah. Okay, so kind of along the same lines, Micah Simpkins at MDS underscore Titans 94 says, Danny Amendola's performance raises some questions about Elijah Molden's ability as a starter. What do we think? Overreaction? But Molden wasn't good in the second half today, right? I, I no. mean, I think we can all agree on that. Um, Molden for the second half of the season has been good. So yes. uh, very good yeah. among the best rookie cornerbacks yeah. in the league. Yeah, absolutely. So for the role that they have had him playing that slot corner, he, he has done a very good job with that. <laughs> I mean, would you expect that performance from Danny Amendola coming in? No, absolutely not. But no. he is a savvy veteran, all, all those types of things that, you, you know, you would talk about with a guy like that. So I'm not going to overreact here to one bad half of performance from a guy, like I said, who, for the most part, especially in the second half, has been really, really good. Um, but I, I think to, to the point in the, you know, in, in the prior tweet, um, the Titans are going to have to come up with an answer for that quick passing game because they have proven this year that their pass rush is really good. And so reasonable NFL coaches are going to say, okay, if we're going to throw the ball, we need to get it out quick. And, you know, that wasn't the case last year. It's been, it's been different from that standpoint. So the Titans are going to have to come up with some type of, of counterpunch to that type of approach to them, which I think if you're a reasonable coach, you're going to look at it and say, okay, if we're going to beat this defense, we're going to have to get the ball out quickly. So that, that's something they're going to have to figure out. But I don't think Elijah Molden is some big liability just based on what happened today. Yeah, in terms of what happening, what happened today being what brings into question whether or not he's a viable starter, I think is definitely an overreaction, in my opinion. 
Um, he's like I said, has been among the, if not the best rookie cornerback in the back half of the season. He's played really well. He played a bad game against the savvy veteran and he made Danny, Dan, Danny Emmett, man, I, what? I'm going full Lebowski today <laughs> with, with my inability to speak. Um, he is, or Ryan Watson, either one. Uh, Ryan's more the more Ryan's more the grammar guy. We talked about in the post game show today that because Ryan's on there, we not only is it not a grammar show, it's a it's an it, coaches on Broadway is an anti grammar show, um, which I fully support. But it, Danny Amendola looked like he was a thirty year old, not a thirty six year old today, and he put uh, some of the Titans guys, especially Elijah Molden, in the ringer, and uh, it, they made him look good. Um, I think that's just how that goes, right? Savvy veteran, guy that's a rookie having a bad day. I don't I don't have much to add to that, right? Yeah. Like, that's just going to happen. Is, does that mean he's not a viable starter? Does that bring into question his viability? No, I don't think so. Okay, next, Jamal at Jamalisms. Jamal. Jamal is our guy. He is uh, very active in the Broadway sports media community. Jamal says, if the Titans are the worst one seed ever, which we've been reliably <laughs> informed, they are not just the worst one seed ever. They're the worst one or two seed yeah. in the history of pro football. Incredible accomplishment. Well well done, Titans. Um, if they are the worst one seed ever, that says more about the other teams and the other quarterbacks in the AFC than it does about the Titans themselves. Overreaction or appropriate reaction? So here's what I'll say. I mean, I don't, the, the PFF guys, I don't really, it, it's hard to figure out where they're coming from with, with some of their stuff. DVOA has been around for a long time and it, it's a, it, in some circumstances, it can be a valuable tool. Yes. Um, now with that being said, you know, Schatz, Aaron Schatz this week admitted that they don't account for injury. Which to me was like, okay, well, why are we even paying attention to this, right? All things being equal, here are the numbers. But all things are not equal in an NFL season. So right. um, do I think that the AFC this season has been, you know, an all-time great conference and all that kind of stuff? No. I mean, we've seen the – I mean, I haven't seen Super Bowl odds or anything since today – I don't know who the favorite is. I would imagine it's the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Um, that we Chiefs have, and Packers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, or, I mean, just from the AFC. So yeah, we Chiefs. have seen the Chiefs obviously have some pretty steep limitations at, at certain points, right? I mean, there was a point in the middle of the season where everybody was like, oh, my gosh, Patrick Mahomes is not good anymore. What happened to the Chiefs offense? <laughs> and then they found it, and then Saturday it looked like it was broken again. Right. So, I mean, right. th there are certainly every team, I would say, has warts to some extent in the AFC. So, I mean, I think that's certainly true. I, I think it's a wide o open conference um, from that standpoint. But when you look at numbers, when you look at, you know, these statistics and, and whatever else, I, I don't understand. And again, I have trouble removing myself from being a Titans fan. Right. And we, we have sure. built ourselves as the most reasonable Titans podcast that there is. And I, and I try my best to, to be objective in all things. But when you, I just don't understand when you step back and look at what this team has been able to do when they lost Derrick Henry when they did 70 days ago, right? That was the last game that Derrick Henry played. Um, the guy that was unquestionably who they ran their offense through, right? 
And then when you, th- when you think about it, in addition to that, they didn't have A.J. Brown for a, a big stretch of that. We've seen the difference that his offense is when he's back. Um, Julio Jones has been whatever he's been, in and out, all that, all those types of things. Like, I, I just I, – I don't think – you can take a number and plug it into a computer and really spit out what you're going to get from this Titans team. Now, does that mean they're going to run through the AFC playoffs easily? No, it doesn't. I mean, we know the limitations of these numbers. But I I do think that the AFC is wide open this year, and so I think that in a way that is a commentary to what's going on around them. But I do think at the same time the Titans are undervalued in those types of numbers with, with all the things that we've talked about. Right, the AFC this season has not been an all-time great field, and that's led a lot of people to be like, oh, they're not an all-time great field. They're an all-time bad field. No, that's wrong as well. The AFC this season has been an all-time good field. There have been uh, an incredible number of good, viable teams, uh, all with big flaws. And so, like, there's been a ton of good teams and not really any dominant teams, and so... Like you said, the AFC playoff picture pretty wide open. Uh, it wouldn't shock me really if any of these, well, any if any of the division winners coming out would not shock me it, at this point in the AFC playoff race. And so, yeah, like Jamal said, uh, if the Titans are the worst one seed ever, I don't think that's necessarily a reflection on them as much as uh, as much as it is a reflection on the AFC as a whole, not being great at the top, but you know, being very. Uh, I guess, like, up, upper middle heavy, right? And here's the thing. It doesn't matter, right? It, I mean, it, it does not, in fact, it, matter, yes. It doesn't matter. If you, so the Titans go on to win the Lombardi Trophy, are people going to be like, oh, yeah, that, you know, when they won that that trophy because the, you know, the, that were, they were the they were the worst team. So right. it's like, who you cares? Know, worst, yeah. Imagine being the worst of the best. That's awful. Um, so yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's the Uh, other thing. I mean, you know, and I think a lot of times the the Titans fans in general have a little bit of a little man complex. It's a thousand percent a little man complex. Right. Titans fans got to work on that. Oh my gosh. We're not getting national media attention. It's a bad look. Yeah. Who cares? Like, stop caring. Yeah. That's the thing. And that's, if, if we can get to the point where we're not concerned about those types of things, um, and, and, you know, a, a good playoff run this year could, could do that to some extent, I think. But it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter if they if Aaron Schatz or DBO, whoever says, PFF says this, this is the worst one seed, this is the worst, blah, blah, blah. If the Titans at the end of this whole thing are the worst Super Bowl champion in in history of the NFL, who cares? They're still Super Bowl champion, right? It's a pretty good place there, to be right there. Right there, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. And I'll that, say this, and we'll be done on it. I'll say this. Like I, 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 people ask, why do you care to Titans fans? And I, I don't ask that because I understand why you care. Right. I totally understand it. Um, I, my call is to just care a lot less. And yeah. it's, I'm not saying to not care. I'm not, I'm not asking why you care. It's just don't care as much. Yeah. Right. Don't let that be the thing that defines you. And it's okay. Uh, maybe my, my suggestion would be in times where you want to be upset over something in terms of like recognition from the national media, this side of the other. Um, DVOA, PFF, blah, blah, blah. And our initial reaction is to be upset at those things. Substitute that anger, substitute that, you know, internet rage with being amused. Be amused by it. Laugh at it. Laugh in their faces when they're proven wrong. 
uh, or laugh at them for being foolish if that's your opinion on them. It's a lot more fun, and it makes you look a lot less uh, like a, like an angry little kid. So that's that's my suggestion there. All right, let's move on because we've got some more of these to get to. Run to stay me. Run to stay me. At run to stay me, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, thank you for responding, though, run to stay me. A healthy Julio Jones's reemergence as a threat shows why he's just as important as a healthy Derrick Henry. Julio relieves pressure off of key players, allowing Brown, NWI, and Ferkser, who is fire as of late, and Fuego, and hopefully Henry himself, more open looks. Overreaction or underreaction? Well, I mean, I, mean, I, I think we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, right, about the expectation for Julio or whatever it is, that the more you can get from more people, it's better, right? The more sure. things that defensive defenses has have to focus on, the the better off this team is. And so, uh, to kind of rehash what we did earlier, to expect prime Julio Jones is is unrealistic at this point. But to think that he can't be a guy that can c- contribute to to think that he can't be a guy that defenses need to account for, even if it's just. A guy that can get open on third down. A guy that can get open in red zone. We saw both of those things today. Um, To think that he can't do that anymore, I do think also is ridiculous. So, yeah, I mean, I I think he is, I hesitate to say equally as important as Derrick Henry because this offense runs through Derrick Henry and getting him back is going to be a huge boost. But to say that it's not important to get him going, I do think would be a a ridiculous statement. So I, I think that they need all of these pieces to get going if they're going to make a Super Bowl run. Yeah, if if Run to Stay Me was saying that it's not important for him to to get healthy and to stay hot and be on the field, then I'd agree that that's um, uh, not a hot take. Unfortunately, Run to Stay Me said that his he he's shown why he's just as important as a healthy Henry, and I think that's uh, I think that's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I, that's over. It's an overreaction. Um, and, and I don't think that that is borne out as, you know, true by any, you know, realistic metrics. He's important. And if they had said a healthy AJ Brown, uh, then I think that that's a good argument. Honestly, I think that's a really interesting argument, whether or not a healthy AJ Brown is as important to this offense as a a healthy Derrick Henry. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's, that's a fair, interesting conversation to be had, but a healthy Julio Jones, I don't think that that is nearly as important as a healthy Henry or a healthy A.J. Brown. Yeah. Okay, next, uh, A.J. Brown is the new green. I don't know who green is, but he's been <laughs> actually pretty good because A.J. Brown is pretty good. Uh, at Brown is the new, he says, or she, I don't know, they say Titans are going to end Big Ben's career in Nashville. <laughs> now, I'll ask you if this is an overreaction, but it's just an incorrect reaction, frankly, right? Like, they, Ben Roethlisberger, assuming they get into the playoffs in this game that's going on right now, doesn't end in a tie, which we've been recording. I've not checked to see. It's 26 to 14. The Raiders are winning with just Woo! nine minutes left. Yeah. Wow, go Raiders. The Raiders that's are a, quite a story, but anyway. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, that's that's not going to happen. The Steelers will be in, and they will play Kansas City. And I, uh, in case your short-term memory is malfunctioning, I will remind you that just a couple of weeks ago, over the Christmas break, the Steelers traveled to a COVID-riddled Kansas City Chiefs who were dealing with a uh, just-returning-from-COVID 
Travis Kelsey, or not Travis Kelsey, a not returning from COVID Travis Kelsey, who was out in that game. And then a just returning Tyreek Hill, who was kind of a minor factor due to, you know, COVID and being banged up. And they opened an eight and a half, or they closed rather an eight and a half point favorite in Vegas. And the Chiefs murdered them, absolutely curb stomped (laughs) them uh, in Kansas City. And they're going to do the same if they, it looks like they will be getting to play them uh, in the first round of the playoffs. So um, Ben Roethlisberger is not coming to Nashville. Um, I'm sure if he can miraculously pull out the, the the upset, that'd be great for the Titans. But unfortunately, it's not happening. I'll go ahead and definitively say uh, Ben Roethlisberger, his career comes to an end next weekend. An incredible run. Definitely a Hall of Famer. He's not coming to Nashville. Yeah, like you said, I mean, I would love to see him come here. I would love for the Titans to get a second. Right, because it means the Chiefs are gone. That's right. the big thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see any way that that happens. But I, I'm all for it. I'll be cheering for the Steelers uh, against the Chiefs for sure. Sure. All right, a uh, couple more. First, uh, Sean Smith at Sean. Uh, let's see, Sean Shauner I K Smith. He says, and Sean and I have been going back and forth for a couple of months. He's he him and Rob among the worst <laughs> in the whole world, frankly, about their ripping me for the being a Colts world. account. The whole, the whole. I've checked everywhere. They're among the worst. And uh, I've told Sean just a couple of minutes ago that how much I loathe him. And I do. But we're going to read it anyways because we appreciate him responding to this show. <laughs> he said, hot take. Why were the Colts ever considered to be competitive versus the Titans? It's, it's not a, a take if you ask a question, Sean. Come on, you're being dumb. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but anyways, Sean, I, I love talking about you here because you can't respond and I can just rip on you. And that goes for everybody that I'm talking about, uh, including you. Greenlaw, eat it. Anyways, uh, Sean, his take is it seems like the the Colts should never have been considered to be competitive versus the Titans. What say you, Jimmy? Well, I mean, I'd agree. Listen, the, the first game. You'd agree the that Colts, they should have never been considered competitive? Well, okay. So let me, let me say this. The, the first game was the Colts. The Titans did everything they could to give that game away, and they still won. Um, the second game was a lot more competitive up there in, in, in Indianapolis. Um, the Colts, like, I get the whole, and it, and this is completely irrelevant because the Colts are out, which is just so awesome. But in case you've I, forgotten, Colts right, are I, I get the argument of beating us, the same team three times in a row, but there's nothing about the Colts that scares me. And I love the fact that they gave up a first round pick to get Carson Wentz and they missed the playoffs. They got seven. Right, what's the one thing that the Colts couldn't do this year <laughs> was allow the Carson Wentz trade to mature into a first round pick. Going and they to the Eagles. did it, and they and missed the playoffs. Can't do that, man. Freaking game in Indianapolis. Can't do that, and then they did it right. And, it. and that game in Indianapolis, if you take away the stupid pass interference calls, uh, anyway. So, yes, I mean the Colts are one of those teams. Like, if you can play defense and run the ball in the playoffs, you're dangerous. Like, so I mean, I guess from that standpoint, the the Colts were could have been, dead. but they're not in the playoffs, so who cares? Anyway, that's that's all. I got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who cares is what we say to you, Sean. And indeed, we do not. So uh, get out of my mentions. You and Greenlock can both <laughs> eat it. Love um, it. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else was said? Uh, there was one more. Where did it go? Hang on just a second. This is great audio. All say, right, here we go. Good stuff. Uh, from Dustin at D Kennedy 0427. He said, well, initially he said, after today's performance, how should we be feeling about the defense? which is a great topic for the show. Unfortunately, I think he misunderstood the premise of the question because it's not a hot take. Again, folks, if you're going to leave takes, and I beg that you do because we love talking about your takes and reading them and interacting with you. 
but don't ask questions as takes, not a take, man. Takes are at the it's a definitive statement. We need statements, not questions. But I then asked, how do you feel about the defense, Dustin? Prompting him to give a proper take, and he did. He said, a little concerned. Got very little pressure and looked like the defense we saw in week one in the first half of week two. And this wasn't Kyler or Russ. It was Davis Mills without Brandon Cooks. What are your thoughts on that? Overreaction on being concerned about the defense? Well, yes, because I, I, it was not what we saw against Arizona or in the first half against Seattle, right? Because yeah. that defense gave you 2,000, what are we, 20 feelings, right? Where it was one of the worst units yeah. we've ever seen. Um, Maybe you, 2,020 you yards. I'd have to go back and count. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of yards, man. Right. You, you didn't you, – I, I, I didn't have that. But I said earlier in this show, and I stand by it, that – they're going to have to figure out a counterpunch to that quick passing game, right? Because teams have figured out at this point that you can't drop back. I mean, what was it? I think it was Matt LaFleur last year or, or somebody in the Packers game last year, whatever week that was, week 15, 16, when the Titans went to Lambeau and just got absolutely, you know, just bum-rushed. Yep. Um, and somebody, it may not have been LaFleur, but it was somebody on the, on the Packers team that said, listen, we could try things in this game that we can't normally try because the Titans' pass rush has been so bad that we can let things develop down the field. I believe right? it was LaFleur who said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, So, obviously, that's not the case this year, right? The, the Titans' pass rush has, has proven to be a, a really good group. So, teams naturally are going to counterpunch to that and, and go to the quick passing game. So I do think the Titans are going to have to look at this film and say, okay, what did the Texans do successfully in the second half? How are other teams going to see that and, and try to copy it? How can we counteract that? So I, I do think there is something there, but I don't think it's cause for you know some concern like last year's defense was, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's uh, I think it overreaction as well, but not. A, a crazy one, Dustin. I think this is a fair thing to be concerned about after that game as a fan. Um, they did get little pressure, but again, we talked about that. This The blueprint for the Titans, how to play the Titans defense. The Texans executed that pretty well in the second half of the game, and the defense was, you know, they just had a, they had a bad second half. I think that was pretty clear to see, and again, like I said, this, this is kind of tying this episode up with a nice little bow here at the end. You can't take what happens in a week 18 or, or final week, whatever it is, game without a grain of salt from a team that's competing or looking to compete in the playoffs, right? You got to take it with a grain of salt because it's going to be weird. Week 18, it's just time for things to, let's just get weird in week 18. So that's what happens. It's division games, teams that are dead playing against teams that are alive or trying to be alive. It, it, it calls for weird things to happen. And you saw that today. You saw Miami killing New England when it didn't matter. You saw the Jaguars killing the Colts when it didn't matter. You saw the Chiefs look <laughs> bad against the Broncos. You saw the Titans look bad against the Texans. It's just how Week 18 goes. You're watching right now. Or we're watching right now. You were watching last night. The Raiders beat up on the Chargers. Like, it's time for weird stuff to happen. And so I think that was a weird thing. And now if the Titans defense comes out and looks like that in the playoffs, it's a different thing. But based on how the season has gone, I think that of the two units for the Titans to be concerned about in the playoffs, it's the offense much more than the defense. Well, yeah, and just to wrap that up, 
the, the good coaching staff will look at what happened in this week and figure out, okay, what is, what's, a, what's actually an issue? What's a problem? How can we fix that versus just the randomness or, the, like you said, the, the team that doesn't have anything to play for or whatever. Like the, the good coaching staff, and I, I think Mike Vrabel clearly has a really good coaching staff. They'll say, okay, here, here's the weaknesses that the Texans were able to exploit. How do we tighten that up? To, pardon the pun. But how, how do we fix that going forward? And l- let's do that. L- let's discern what's real and what's not, and let's let's fix it. And it, like you said from the beginning, it, it's a new season that they're going into here. And so I, I think that you'll see the proper adjustments being made. And I, I don't I don't fear any huge carryover from what the Texans were able to do in the second half in the playoffs. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. But that that's kind of my stance on it. All right, so I think that will wrap us up for tonight, as always. Yeah, let's get out of here. Yeah, we always really appreciate you listening. We appreciate you interacting with the show. Um, We will be back next week with a show um, in in what is now the Titans bye week, so we'll have something for you, uh, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can check out Titans in 10, which Easton does a few times a week. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll have a few of those coming up this week, right? That's right. We're going to have uh, four full episodes this week. Yeah. Uh, and then who knows, with the bye, we'll probably be doing some special content, maybe some special guests. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, so plenty of that stuff to talk about. Uh, in the meantime, check out BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Uh, plenty of analysis on this game and into the playoffs going forward. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at JMorrisMCM. Easton is at Easton Freeze. And Home Run Throwback is the podcast. Just search that out wherever you get your podcast. So for Easton, this is Jimmy saying thanks so much for listening. And we'll talk to you again next week. Brought to you by Broadway Sports Media.